change that with an instruction manual. Oh, but you did. We did it. Is there addition there? Is there addition there, Marge? No. Well, there you have it, folks. Extreme makeover, prayer edition, kitchen style. He was supposed to just come in here and help me have a makeover of my home, and now he's telling me how to live my life by telling me I need to eat three meals a day. I don't have time for that. I don't understand. Why is he in my business? Well, welcome everybody to the third week here in the prayer makeover series. What we are talking about here today, as you see with the nice little video intros, we are doing an extreme makeover and we are building a new house. But the house we're building is not with uh, bricks and stones and walls. We're building, we, we are building a house of prayer because what we agreed in the very beginning is that we don't want to just be people who pray occasionally or pray whenever. We want to have a balanced life of prayer in order to do that. We need not just a room of prayer, but we need a house of prayer that has many different rooms. And we agreed that in our house of prayer, every room has a different purpose. So just like in a regular house, last week we talked about the family room of the house of prayer, which is simple prayer. Every house needs a place where you can just kick back, put your feet up, and be yourself. And that's the family room of prayer. Well, today we're moving on from the family room because as much fun as it is to sit and kick back in the family room, eventually we've got to get up from that family room. We're going to the kitchen today, and we're going to talk about structured prayer and the importance of having structure and discipline and consistency in our life of prayer. Most common question people ask me about prayer. When you get down to it, People, we all know we should pray. We are agreeing that in the beginning. This is not a matter of whether or not we should. This is a matter of how we should pray, not whether we should. We all know we should. Most common thing that people ask me when it comes to prayer, does prayer make any difference? Let's be honest. Like, let's just cut to the chase. Let's cut out all the other stuff that we make up and we're busy and we're tired. Remember I told you all my feet hurt and my back, all that stuff. Forget about all that stuff. Does prayer make a difference? Because if it made a difference, we would do it. And if it doesn't make a difference, no matter how much you try to convince me, if I don't see a difference in my life, why should I waste my time praying? Does prayer make a difference? Yes or no? Right answer has to be yes, or else this would be a waste of a series. Prayer makes a difference, but it doesn't make a difference the way necessarily we think it does. People say, will prayer change my circumstances? What's the answer to that? Maybe. I don't want to say no. It might. It might not. I can't say. But for certain, even though it may not change your circumstances, it will change you. And prayer wasn't meant just to change circumstances. Prayer was actually given to us to change ourselves in those circumstances. Nice quote. A guy named William Carey said the following. He said, prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayer lies at the root of all personal godliness. We agreed in this series on prayer that there are different ways to pray, and the goal is to have a balanced way, a life of prayer that eventually leads up to the top floor of prayer. And what's the top floor, the highest level of prayer? Is liturgical prayer. We will talk about true intimacy and communion with God. With that said, what we agreed is the only way to have the intimacy, the liturgical prayer we said, that's the bedroom of prayer. Okay, That's like the highest place where you have the most intimacy and closeness, and that's where the two are in the house together, and they are ashamed but not naked. right? That's what we want between us and God. In order to have that intimacy up there, we need to build it from the ground floor up. Because we can't just build a house 
that has a bedroom or has all bedrooms only. We need to build a house that has a balanced life, and there's certain requirements for every room. Last week, we talked about simple prayer, and simple prayer is very important. And simple prayer, if you remember, was me-focused. Simple prayer is me-focused. My needs, my desires, my wants, what I'm feeling right now. And the root, like the foundation of prayer, is a child coming to his father and saying, this is how I'm feeling right now, and casting all our care upon him. But that's the first step, not the last step. And once we start with the me-focused prayer, we need to eventually build on top of that a deeper level of prayer. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That is the structured prayer, which is the kitchen. Now, when I say kitchen, we're going to talk about two things that happen in a kitchen. Eating takes place in a kitchen on a usually, hopefully, as they said in the video, like a kind of a system. The other thing that happens in the kitchen you're sitting there, and you're hanging out, and you're watching the TV, and you're enjoying, and you're ready to go to bed. But you can't quite go to bed yet until you have cleaned the kitchen. Because you can't just leave the kitchen, okay, like in a, all kinds of mess. And you wish you could just sit in the family room all day and all night. But you know, at some point in time, you got to get to that kitchen. you got to do the dishes. you got to clean the stuff. The kitchen is a place that you need to go every single day, and you need to do some work in that kitchen every single day. Prayer is similar. Prayer starts off, like I said last week, in the family room. Prayer starts off with a child coming to his father. And what does the father say when, when a child prays? Good job, son. Father always encourages a child. Exactly like if you parents, if you ever had uh, a child um, learn a musical instrument. All right, my kids don't play a musical instrument, but I remember when my younger brother started to learn the piano. Torture. Torture for the household. Okay? Absolute pain. 12 Days of Christmas was his song. Okay, and he just played the 12 Days of Christmas over and over and over and over. So you finally get to the end of it. It's annoying as it is. And then he repeats and start over at day one again. Torture. All right? But what do the parents say when the child is learning? Good job. Good job. That's great. And they encourage you. And the whole house wants to, to throw something at the boy. But he's, good job. That's really, really, really good. God is the same way. And we come with our prayers. And our prayers are selfish. We talked about this last week. They are, are pathetic they're self-centered, they're egotistical, they're impure, they're all kinds of stuff. What does God say? That's okay. Good job, little junior. I'm just happy that you're trying. You're trying to pray. Good job. One who comes to me, I by no means cast out. He never shuns us from those kind of prayers. But as a father, his goal is to take us to the next level of prayer. God wants to teach us that he's not just Santa Claus. He's our father. That prayer isn't just about, what's the difference between Santa Claus and a father? Santa Claus is, ask me what you want, I give it to you. And a lot of us, that's our relationship with God. And I, again, that's how we start off there, that's okay. But eventually, the father wants to do more than just give us stuff. He wants to do what? What does a father want to do with a child? A father wants to help a child to grow, to mature, to be wiser, to be more patient, to be more loving. Father wants to help a child not to be so selfish. Learn how to make good decisions. A father wants a child to mature and to grow up. And our Heavenly Father is the same way. And in prayer, at the beginning it starts with, just come to me and ask me for whatever. But then eventually he says, okay, now I want you to come to me and not ask me for anything, because I'm not going to give you anything, but now I want to make you more mature, help you grow up, help you to think better, help you to, to grow in all these different virtues. A child resists the father encouraging him to grow a child says no just give me stuff but a father because he's a father says no I, at this point in time i'm actually not going to give you anything i'm actually going to say no to your request until you learn how to be more responsible more mature and god is the same way structured prayer is all about god having us grow up and mature spiritually romans chapter 8 verse 29 this verse understand this verse this is one of those life altering verses if you understand it and you hold it in front of you at all times. Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Don't get tripped up by the word predestined there. doesn't mean what you think it means. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Predestined doesn't mean predestination, no will, because we believe, of course, that we have a free will. We know that we have a free will. Predestined means set the game plan. That God in the beginning said, here's my boy, I gave birth to him, and then God set a game plan. And the game plan was written before we even came into this world of, this is what I want my boy to look like, or my girl. 
And this is what I want him, how I want him to live his life. And that game plan, what does it look like? What's the end goal of the game plan? Is to be conformed to the image of his son. Ever since the beginning, it has been the goal of life for us to become like the son who is our Lord Jesus Christ. That's always been the goal. That's why when God made Adam and Eve, when he made man and woman, he made them in his image and likeness. That was the goal, was to make man in my image. Man came down in his image. Man sinned. That image was corrupted, had like a, a blemish on it. That image got messed up. The son came back into the world, not just to give us salvation and take us with him to heaven, but to restore that image inside of us. Think about it as far as like a parent with a child. What's the goal of a parent? Is it to have a child? Or is it to raise a child to the point of maturity? Like a parent has a child, and if that's just a child who just born, say, okay, now he's part of my family. Is that success as a parent? No. Success as a parent is he's part of my family, and then he's raised up to be the best that he can be. Well, God is the same way. God is not content with us just to find salvation and just like we're saved and we're going to go to heaven when we die. That's, that's not the goal. The goal is much greater than that. The goal is much beyond that. The goal is that we would find his family, and then we would grow up into the image of his son. As it says there, that Christ would be the firstborn among many brethren, that we would walk in his footsteps as he walked. Some quotes here from some of the early church fathers. Okay, St. Gregory of Nazianza says this. He says, let us become like Christ, since Christ became like us. Let us become gods for his sake, since he for ours became man. When it says let us become gods, okay, like in our, our language, that, that sounds kind of funny. But it's gods with a little g. So he's not saying become like God. He's saying become godly, become godlike, become like the Son of Man. That's why St. Athanasius of Alexandria, our patron saint here, said it this way. He said, the Son of God became man, that we might become God. Again, not being, not like Lucifer saying, I want to be God, not like that, but that he became like us, that we could become like him. All over the scriptures, you see it all over, that God's goal for us is not just to be nice, is not just to be happy, is not just to find salvation, but is to be conformed to his image. That means his thoughts, his eyes, his patience, his caring, his honesty, his justice, all the characteristics that you see in Christ, that's the goal for us. Now the question for us is, sorry, how does this transformation happen? I say, here's me, here's Christ. The goal is that this becomes like this. Is that an easy transformation? Like, this isn't something that's going to happen, like, overnight. Someone who wants to lose five pounds. Five pounds. You can do that, I mean, not easily, I want to say, but you starve yourself for a few days. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you know, wear, like, the trash bags, what we used to do when we were kids from football weigh-in. Okay, like, you can, you can drop a few pounds like that in, in, in a few, like, it doesn't take as much effort. Say someone wants to lose 50 pounds. No, that's going to take some time. And that's going to take... What's that going to take? Consistency, discipline, said another way, structure. Right? Someone who wants to make a minor change to their life, I say, be more like me. Say, okay, I mean, that's not that hard. I mean, not, you're not anything special. Okay, I'd be more like you. I read a book, I'd be more like you. I uh, do whatever, I'd be more like you. I say, no, 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 be like Jesus. Now, that's going to take some time. That's not going to happen overnight. If we are going to become that image and that likeness, if we're going to be transformed into that, we're not going to find success unless we are committed to regular, consistent, structured habits that will get us there. I found this verse the other day in my, in my quiet time, and I felt it, it spoke so much about what we're talking about here today. First Peter 2.5 said, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. That's what we're building, a spiritual house, house of prayer. You are building up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are building a spiritual house. If you are going to build a house, a temple for God, a house that is pleasing to Him, you are going to do so one brick at a time. That's how things are built. Big houses are built one brick at a time. What are the bricks in our spiritual 
house? What are the bricks? If we're building a temple for God, what are the bricks, the stones that we are going to put up? We are going to offer up spiritual sacrifices. What are spiritual sacrifices? If you go back to the Old Testament, when God built a real house, God said, I want you to build me a house. And God gave a very systematic and structured set of rules of how that house is to be built and operated. And especially when it comes to the sacrifices, there was a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. Let's see what it says in Exodus chapter 29, starting in verse 38. It says, now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. That every day, you offer two lambs. Every day, in a systematic way. One lamb, offer in the morning. Other lamb, you should offer at twilight or in the evening. With one lamb shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one-fourth of a hen of pressed oil and one-fourth of a hen of wine as a drink offering. And the other lamb, you shall offer at twilight. You shall offer it with the grain offering and the drink offering as in the morning for a sweet aroma and offering made by fire to the Lord. What you see there is God said, Give me a morning sacrifice, give me an evening sacrifice. This is how you're to do it. Don't run off and do it your own way. I'm prescribing exactly to the tenth of an ephah of flour, whatever an ephah is, to the tenth of a cup of flour, that degree of specificity and detail and structure of how he wants it offering. Why? This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations. At the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord will I will meet with you and speak with you. Again, what happens when we do it? Where I will meet with you and speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel. And their tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. What's the lesson that we learn from the spiritual house? Is that regular offerings, consistent, structured, systematic sacrifices and offerings are the means by which God wants to meet his people and sanctify his people. Or we can say another way is transform his people. That's where we get to structured prayer. This is a prototype of the kind of prayer that we're talking about in the kitchen of our house of prayer. Structured prayer means two things. Set times, set prayers. What does structured prayer means? It means set times of prayer and set prayers to offer. Just like God said, come in the morning and you do this. You come in the evening and you do this. He didn't say, come whenever you want, even though they're welcome whenever they want. Like, and that's absolutely a great thing. There was to be offerings in the morning, offerings in the evenings. And they were not to offer whatever it is that they wanted. They were to offer the specified offering. Now, on top of that, they were always given the freedom to offer more. And that's what you see if you read the Old Testament. It said, this is the offering, but some people out of the goodwill wanted to offer more. That's a separate issue, which we'll talk about at another time. Thanksgiving offerings. Right now, we're talking about the basic, the structured offering. And just like in the Old Testament, today, God says to his children, I want you to come to me every morning, and I want you to come every evening, and I want you to come systematically. Why? That you may be sanctified by my glory. Because whether or not we like it or don't like it, this is the system that God set up, is that God will transform us when we get into his presence on a regular basis. When we get into his presence, that's where the transformation takes place. How? Doesn't make sense. Why? Why? Okay, back to a child with his parents. Why do I have to brush my teeth every morning and evening? Why? I'll just brush when I want to brush. I don't feel like my teeth are dirty. I don't need to brush. I'll brush when I want to brush. No, because I, as your father, I'm smarter than you, and I want you to be uh, mature and grown up and realize you need to brush in the morning. You need to brush in the, in the evening. And this is where your teeth will be healthy. Why well, don't I need to do my homework when I come home from school? Why can't I do it uh, right before school in the morning? I'll wake up really early. Because I'm your father. And I know the best system for you to be successful in life. And God is the same way. We are talking about right here structured prayer. Oh, by the way, I'm going to talk about this. This is the means. This Okay, it's called the prayer book of the hours. Ever since the beginning of Christianity, there has always been like books of prayer. And you'll find that in almost every denomination that there is out there, every Orthodox church, Catholic church, and many of the Protestant churches, 
all have books of prayer. Our book of prayer is called the Egbeya, which is a Coptic word, which literally just means just book of the hours. Okay, and I'll talk about this in a little bit. Okay, but when I talk about set times of prayer and set prayers to offer, okay, I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Okay, but I just wanted to know what that was about. Structured prayer is the means by which we are transformed into the image of Christ. Think about it this way. Think about someone who wants to get stronger. Let's say I want to be able to lift a piano. I want to carry a piano. All right, if I say, okay, well, I can't carry a piano. So what do I do? I just give up? How can I get to the point where I can carry a piano? Well, if every day, morning and noon, morning and evening, I do push-ups, lift some dumbbells. If I do that day after 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 day, then eventually, I won't say I'll be able to lift a piano, but I'll be able to lift something that I can't lift today. Spiritual life is the same way. You look at it and say, okay, be like Jesus. I can't be like that. You know how, you know what it means to be like Jesus? Like the stuff, we, we take that word very lightly. Like the way he thought, the way he trusted the Father, we don't think like that at all. We need to get to that point where we had that unfailing trust in the Father no matter what circumstances come our way. That he had the eyes of compassion and love towards even the worst of the worst of the worst people. We don't have that at all. He had the, the ability to, no matter what the circumstance or no matter what was in front of him, he always had an ability to be able to see clearly what God's will was, what the will of the Father was in that situation. Like what I'm trying to say is the difference between us and Christ is a big difference. The only way we're going to be able to get to I can't carry a piano to be able to carry a piano is we committed to going to the gym every morning and going to the gym every evening. And that's what structured prayer is all about. Because when we get into that structured prayer, that's where Christ transforms us. How? How does this process take place? How does, why is it when I stand and do this that I'm becoming more like Christ? Like, how is that, like, it doesn't make sense. How does that work? Well, go back to the Old Testament, and there's a story of a guy named Moses. And you remember Moses one time went up Mount Sinai. Moses would go up Mount Sinai on a regular basis, old man. He would go up, and he'd spend days with God at a time, days, 40 days at a time. And Moses one time went up that mountain, and Moses came back down that mountain. And as soon as Moses came down that mountain, everyone noticed something different about Moses. Moses was shining. The Bible says that his countenance was shining. Like people couldn't look at him because he was shining. And Moses didn't see it. Moses was like, what's wrong with you people? And everyone looked at him like, no, Moses, we can't, we can't look at you. Our eyes hurt. Sunglasses. Like they couldn't see him. And Moses was like, I don't know what you're all talking about. Like I'm the same person. But they said, okay, so Moses would put a veil on him so the people could look at him. Moses didn't see that he had done anything different. But what transformed Moses and made Moses a new person? What was it? It was his time with God in the presence of God at the top of that mountain. And then in the New Testament, we have this nice verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. My anger, my ego, my pride, my selfishness, my lustfulness, my whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, put all that list. How, that stuff is heavier than a piano. Like, we're talking about, a, like, it's a difference between I want to fill a pothole in my driveway versus I want to build four lanes on the beltway. All right? I want to build a pothole in the driveway. Yeah, yeah, just a couple guys together the weekend, get the stuff, get the squeegee, and we get it taken care of. I'm talking about building... On, on the beltway, I'm talking about building lanes on the beltway. This project is not going to get done overnight, people. It's not going to get done just on a whim, like we got some free time this weekend, let's expand the beltway. We're talking about something big, and you want to be that image of Christ. Man, that's not going to happen overnight. And too many of us, we kind of try and say, I want to be pure like Christ. I want to have the, 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 the mind of Christ, and, we wanna, and then we, we, we fail. And we, no, no, this is a lifelong process. Think about in... One of my favorite parts when we pray the divine liturgy, when we say at the very end, we say like what it is that we want, like the transformation, okay? We say purify our, let's go through the list, purify our souls, hearts, purify hearts, our souls, hearts, purify our souls, purify our bodies, purify our spirits, our eyes, 
our understanding, our thoughts, and our consciences. This isn't a weekend do-it-yourself project. This isn't, this isn't hang a new light on the porch. This is major construction. If you are going to purify heart, soul, body, eyes, etc., 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 you're going to purify all those things. You purify your thoughts. You purify your conscience. Then you better be committed. Every day you can do some push-ups. You better be committed. Every day you're going to get in there and you're going to scrub. You're not just going to show up overnight and get that. What do we say right after that? I can say it in the flow, but sometimes it's here. What do we say right after that? So that with a, this is what we want to get to. So I'm going to close my eyes so I concentrate. So that with a pure heart, an enlightened soul, this is where you're trying to get to. A pure heart, a heart that's pure, undefiled. No desires going this way or going this way. No um, being pulled in different directions. It is pure. It is holy for God. Pure heart, an enlightened soul, a soul that understands all these great mysteries that God wants to reveal, that's enlightened and sees the spiritual, not just the earthly. What? No, no, that's later. Pure heart. Pure heart. Unashamed face. Okay, very good. Unashamed face. I knew I should have wrote it down, and I said, you know what? I'll just put it, and I haven't memorized. An unashamed face. The, no guilt and no shame. I stand before the Father, like I said, they were naked, and they were not ashamed. Unashamed face. And then faith unfeigned. Oh, that's a big one. A true faith. That faith that believes and all things are possible. All those verses that Jesus said that we don't ever believe. That we just kind of say and we don't believe, but a faith that is unfeigned. Perfect love and a firm hope, okay? Those are big stuff. My point is this, is, this is the goal. And the reason why we hate structured prayer is because we don't associate it with the goal. It's exactly like me saying, go work out every day. If you don't realize that the goal is to look like, if you don't see that what the goal is to look like, and that image is not in your mind, you're just doing push-ups for no reason. You're just doing sit-ups for no reason. You're just exercising for no reason. You are not going to stick with it. And I'll be honest, I'm the first one who struggles with this. And that's why I'm saying this is a life-altering verse that if you realize, look, in every aspect of life, you have to know your goal to be successful in it. You, go, you don't just show up at medical school and say, why are you here at medical school? Eh, I'm just checking it out. I just want to see what's going on. I'm bored. No, you, I want to be a doctor. And I'm going to study this class, I'm going to pay this tuition, I'm going to go to this, I'm going to do this, because I want to be a doctor. I hold it up. Law school. Anything that you do, that you have a goal. Only in spirituality, we don't have a goal. So it's just pray because you're supposed to pray. Well, I don't want to pray. <laughs> like if the goal is just uh, pray to have a relationship with God, I have a relationship with God. It doesn't make a difference if I pray in the morning or not. I just pray in the evening. And I'll just pray the next day. I have a relationship with God. But that's not the goal. The goal isn't a relationship with God. The goal is the image of his son. That's how we were created. Look like Christ. Think like Christ. Walk like Christ. Talk like Christ. To be Christ in this world today. What I wrote down here, I said, structured prayer is our tanning booth. Moses went up the mountain, came down shining. Structured prayer for us, we get in there, we come out, we're shining. How's tanning booth work? No idea. But I know if I sit in it long enough, I don't need to know how the booth works to get my tan on. And I don't need to see the correlation between every word I utter in prayer to be transformed by the experience. I believe, that just as this verse says, is that if we are committed and, and, and consistent in our life of prayer and we set that morning offering and that evening offering and we set it Morning offering, evening offering. I am convinced that we will be transformed slowly, slowly, slowly. And 10 years from now, people will look at us and be like, I ain't seen you for 10 years, but something's different. You'll be like, no, nothing's different. No, something's different. Is you have been trans you've been in the tanning booth. And everyone who comes out sees that. And just the same, by the same token as a tanning booth, if you haven't visited a tanning booth in several years, and it's been a while since you married, you may be kind of pale. But it's never too late. You go back in that tanning booth to be transformed. Now, let's talk about concerns. <clears throat> when it comes to structured, disciplined prayer, there's certain things that we don't like. It, it turns us off. Sounds too ritualistic, too routine, too insincere. I don't like it. I like I have a spiritual relationship with God. I don't want to be limited to words on paper. 
I don't want to use other people's words. I want to have a sincere relationship with God and sincere prayer. I don't know why. Is structured prayer ritualistic? Is it ritualistic? Yeah, it's a ritual. I don't know why ritual got a bad name. Ritual's not bad. There's a lot of things we do. Ritual is just, you know what ritual is? Get rid of the word ritual because it has a bad connotation. You know what it is? It's a habit. All this is a habit. But it's a spiritual habit, which is called a ritual. That's all it is. Ritual just means something that you do over and over and over and over and over. And you do it, like, consistently. Why did that become bad? Brushing your teeth is a ritual. It's just not spiritual. We know we've got a problem with brushing your teeth. There's all kinds of things that we do over and over and over. We call them habits. We call them disciplines. It's fine. You call it a ritual, and that's, that's, that's legalistic. That's not true. It can become legalistic. And I always say that, like, your routine is good until it becomes routine. But there's no reason that your routine has to be routine. There's nothing wrong with rituals and habits and disciplines. These are the things which lead to success in every aspect of life. The problem is, is that we think if something is done over and over and over, it must be meaningless. Is that true? It doesn't have to be. Look, I say I love you to my kids every night. Is that insincere? Should I stop it and try to think of something different to say every night? No. I mean, it's up to me whether it's sincere or not sincere. The words themselves don't make it sincere. I can choose by my meaning, okay, to make it sincere or insincere. But it's not the saying of the words is not a bad thing. It's what's inside of us. So forget this idea that ritual is bad. We agreed last week we need simple. I'm saying today we need structured. Let's not, we don't want only this or only this. We need both. And what we talked about last week, for those who weren't here, is that even though the simple is the foundation, there's never a time where you don't need it. So it's not either or, okay? It's this, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. There was a, uh, uh, a popular author who was writing a book on prayer, and he wanted to, like, take a religionless test, meaning he wanted to see this whole idea about how you can be spiritual without being religious. This is a concept that people talk about all the time, like religion is bad, spirituality is good. I don't know what that means, to be honest. Like, I, don't, I don't know what that means. If you're defining religion as rituals, rituals are not bad. You can make them bad, but r- the structure okay, is actually what gives life to everything else that we do. And this author was saying that he wanted to do like an experiment and go completely religionless for a month. So that means no set times of prayer, no prayer book, no church service, no liturgy, nothing structured. Everything by like the seat of his pants. He prayed when he wanted. And this is a spiritual guy. He's written many books. Everything by the seat of his pants. The result, he said the following. He said, the most important thing I learned was how badly I need those tools to keep me growing towards God. I discovered that regular patterns of prayer form a kind of skeletal structure upon which I can build the life of unceasing prayer. Without this outward structure, my internal heart yearnings for God simply do not hold together. Bottom line is, I agree. In a perfect world, we would need no structure. Everything would be at this level, and we would be up here. That's in a perfect world. But in the world we live in, this, based on our own desires and our own inclinations, doesn't work for when, when do I study, doesn't work when do I brush my teeth, and it absolutely does not work for how do I become like Christ himself. We need the structure to give meat to, or give, I'm sorry, the skeleton so that we can build all the other stuff around it. Let me go through, though. I'm going to go through some concerns and try to address each one of them that we might have when it comes to structured prayer. The first, as I said, is my first concern is I don't want my prayers to be insincere. I want them to be my words. I don't want my prayers to be insincere. I want them to be my words. This is completely invalid and ridiculous because there's no such thing as the prayers are insincere if I didn't invent the words right now. Like I said, forget about the kid. Let's say with my wife. I tell my wife I love her. And I tell her that, told her that last night. So I say, well, I'm not going to tell her today because I told her yesterday. So I, I can't say it again because I have to come up with new words. Or if you, look, any words that you say in prayer is you saying words that you've heard other people say. Like, 
how does, like, let's say my wife calls me, you know, sweetheart. Or let's say, you know, stud muffin. Okay, she calls me stud muffin. Okay. Let's say, like, whatever she calls me. Okay. Where does, why does she call me those things? Most likely she heard that word from somewhere else. And she said, this word accurately depicts who my husband is. <laughs> so she would call me that. She didn't make up the word, and she didn't need to make up the word. It's the same thing when it comes to our prayers for God. You think that when you pray without structure, you're praying your own words. You're not. You're praying what you heard in last week's prayer meeting. You heard somebody else pray it on the radio. Or you heard a sermon, and the guy prayed, he said, oh, those are nice words. And then you took those words. The other thing is you made them up yourself. The difference between these words and the words that we offer that we hear from other people is at least we know, like, the outcome of the people who wrote these words. Like the people who just said these words, we don't know how they end up. And it's an unreliable source. You never know if someone can end up off the, the wrong end. But these guys, I go to King David's words, I know where King David ended up. I go to Moses, I know where he ended up. Solomon, I know where these guys, like these guys are tried and true and tested. And years and years and years and years, generations of Christians have been praying these words. And when we pray these same words, we unite ourselves with the rest of the body of Christ that has been around for generate. That's what we say from generation to generation unto the end of the ages. Amen. St. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4.15 about this idea of just use your own words. Don't learn anybody else's words. He said, for though, for though you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. He says it very clearly, imitate me. What you heard me say, say. Have you heard me pray? Pray. He's telling them, use my words. And it's not insincere in any way just because you didn't write the words or make them up yourself. That's number one concern. Number two concern. Structured prayer means I pray without thinking. Structured prayer means I pray without thinking. It's just a uh, recitation. Uh, it's no thinking involved. Again, it doesn't have to be. And there's nothing that, that's inherent about structured prayer that makes it not think. I'm telling you, you could pray simple prayer not thinking. And some people, without, without going into details, all of us know, pray the, say the prayer in the same prayer every single time. And it's their simple prayer, and it's unstructured, and it's the same words every single time. You can find them any time of day and to say the same thing, to bless this and to be with It's the same words. And that's, that's not thinking just as much. There's a lot less thinking there than there can be when it comes to this. Nothing says that because you're repeating other people's words that it has to be without thinking. In fact, I'll say something, and I'm kind of going out on a limb here, and you may disagree with me. That's okay. You can disagree with me on this one, but I'll tell you what I really believe. I actually believe it is advantageous to pray without thinking. Every prayer has two components, has spirit and form, right? Jesus said you should worship in spirit and in truth, okay? So spirit is the spirit. The truth is like the form, has a structure, and then like a outside and an inside, every prayer. Agree? Structured prayer, the outside is given for you. You don't need to think. Why? Because And then it'll free you up. The advantage of it frees you up to think about the spirit. Example. I'll give you an example because I, I know that's a hard concept. Here's two excerpts from the first hour prayer, which is from Psalm 62 and Psalm 69. Just the first couple of verses of each one. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. I say this prayer and it expresses something deep inside which I could not have put into words. I didn't write these words, but whoever, when I pray these words, my spirit inside says, yes, that's exactly how I'm feeling. That my body longs for you, and I am thirsty for you. For me to spend time thinking of those words, I could do it, but I'm thinking about the form, and I'm not focused as much on the spirit. But when I'm given the form in front of me, then I'm free to focus on the spirit. Another example, Psalm 69. Haste, no God, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. Look, when I'm praying these words, I don't need to sit and think about how do I need God's help? And in what areas am I poor and needy? No, 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 no. Like, who cares? I'm not trying to figure, like, I don't need to figure that out. I know I need help. I need help in every aspect of my life. I don't need to, to put it in, on, on pen and paper. I know I need help. So these words free me from the details to lift my heart up and say, Lord, help me. 
and, and focus more on your infinite ability to help and less on my specific need and my work. And my, like, you see what I'm saying? It can be advantageous to be able to pray without thinking about the form. I'll tell you how I see this for me. Someone sends me like a, something to like a, like a, a, a document or something to look over. Instantly, the critical nature inside me, I proofread it before anything else. So someone says, hey, look over this. I want to send this out to the church. I won't read it. I'll proofread it first. I'll find the mistakes, and I'm focusing on the form. But then once it's been proofread, I'm then free to then read the content of it. Wouldn't it be great if our prayers, the difference between proofreading and just enjoying the content, if we know our prayers have been proofread and this document has been proofread, we need to worry about how it's being said. and We're free to just focus on the spirit. That's number two. Forget about this idea that not thinking. We always want to be thinking or else it's insincere. But what we're thinking about is the difference. Number three. Some say the words are irrelevant or not relevant to my life. The words are not relevant to my life. And again, I will say the same thing I said in the last concern. This may be the greatest advantage to structured prayer. Simple prayer, focus was on me. Good, but not complete. Structured prayer, maybe it's actually good that the prayer isn't relevant to your day. Relevant in the way that you would say. Of course, it is relevant, but it's not relevant in the way that you would say because your focus is on me. Maybe the fact that you say it's irrelevant is actually a good thing because it's getting you to look beyond yourself. Again, I'll show you an excerpt. This is from the first hour prayer. It's called the praise of the angels. And we say the following. And you say, this may not be relevant to my day to day, but it is certainly relevant to you becoming in the image and likeness of Christ. It says, you are holy. You alone are the most high. My Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And glory be to God the Father. Amen. Every day I will bless you and praise your holy name forever and unto the, end of the, unto the ages of all ages. Amen. Since the night my spirit seeks you early, O oh my God. For your commandments are the light upon the earth. I continually pursue your ways. For you have become a help to me. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. Early I stand before you and you see me. You say, this isn't relevant to what I'm going through, to my job, to my problems. This may not be relevant to those things, but it is so needed for you to become the image and likeness of Christ. I remember my first experience with the Egbeye, with the prayer book of ours here. I remember I was in, I was in college, and I was down at the UVA, and I just started to get close to God. And my, like I just started this whole like getting close to God, relationship with God thing. I'd actually never heard of this thing before in my life. I'm sure I'd seen it in the church pew, but I thought it was just like a smaller version of the liturgy book, you know, the condensed version or something like that. I didn't know anything about this thing. And I remember one time I heard like a sermon or something about how the church gave us the seven hours of the Egbeya, and there are seven hours that we should pray throughout the day, and it gave the biblical basis of King David saying that seven times a day I praise you, and there's a morning prayer, and then a 9 a.m. prayer, then a noon prayer, and there's seven hours of prayer throughout the day. And I remember hearing that sermon, and saying, and they're saying, like, this is the way the church gave us. And I was dumb at the time, like I was new to it. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, all these people are praying seven times a day? I'm like, I'm an idiot. I'm only praying twice a day. And I, at that moment in time, I really legitimately thought every single person in the church was praying this entire thing every single day, all seven hours. I said, I'm behind, man. So I went back to school and said, you know what? I got to catch up. So I'm going to pray five times a day. I can't squeeze seven in, but hopefully I'll get to seven. And I started praying five times a day, and I would combine a couple of them. Okay, I pray like the morning. Okay, the morning in college is like noon, so that would be like the, the first hour. Okay, everything was like six hours shifted. But I did it. Okay, and I would pray in the morning in my, in my room, and then I would walk to class, and I had like a 20-minute walk to class. So I, Mr. Efficiency, I said, you know what, I can pray one hour walking, go to my class, and then I could pray another hour coming back. Okay, and then I put a couple together in the evening and then one at night. So I had the five times throughout the day that I would pray the Egbeya. And because I was praying while I was walking, 
it forced me to memorize a lot of the prayers. So I would memorize as much as I could of the prayers so I could pray while walking. Not thinking I'm doing anything extraordinary, thinking I'm just trying to like catch up to everybody else and be like, hopefully no one finds out that like I'm only doing it five times a day instead of seven. I'm telling you, that transformed my life. It transformed my life, honestly. Because as you're walking to class, what do you usually do? You do nothing, people listen to music, whatever it is you usually do. I'm sitting there and I'm into prayer and I'm into prayer and I'm focused. And then I get to class and then stuff happens and my mind is up here. Like my mind is not down here. Like I'm not down, I'm, I'm up here. And then stuff happens and then the classes and the people. And then where do I go after class? I'm back up here again. Because I'm in these words that you are holy. You alone are most high. You know what exactly it's like? You know when you're driving a car and you turn your head to the right, what's going to happen to the car? Naturally, you shift. Like it's just a natural, I turn this way. So naturally, like wherever you look is where you're going to end up. And everyone knows in any sporting activity you do, your eyes are the most important. Because what you look at, if I'm looking at the bulb, that my hands will go where my eyes are. You have to follow with your eyes. Everything's all about your eyes. Where your eyes are is where you end up going. Well, what I was doing through that prayer, and I just so I, I'm honest, I don't pray five times a day right now, just so we're all on the same page. Okay, that was once I discovered I was the only idiot doing it. Okay, I, <laughs> I went back down. You, you, you kind of you, we set the you go with the lowest common denominator. Anyway, what that does is when you lift your eyes five times a day, it lifts you up. If you down here and your eyes are looking at rubbish. And garbage, you'd be living in garbage. But as much as you lift your eyes, it lifts you up. And then you come back down, and then you lift it up. And you come, and then you lift it up. The whole point of structured prayer is to lift our eyes. Not just when we feel like it, that's where we're in the pits, but to have regular, consistent times where we lift our eyes up. Because it's through that that we ourselves are lifted up into the image of Christ himself. Is this worth a try? Is this worth a try? Is this, worth, is this a worthy investment of our time that even if I don't know what I'm talking about, that is it worth a try over the next couple weeks that we can try this and see if it works or if I'm just making stuff up? Is it worth a try? Answer is yes, it's worth a try. Here's our homework assignment for the week, our do-it-yourself project. You see it on your handout. Everyone this week is going to come up with a plan. You're going to write that plan down. I don't care what the plan is. I'll give you some ideas for the plan. I would encourage, first of all, everyone needs to make sure you have one of these books. If you don't have one of these, you grab one at the table in the back. I snagged a, a big stack of 50 of them the other day. When you're back there, you can grab one. Okay, no charge. Take it. Donations always welcome, but free of charge. You grab one of these. If you already have one, don't take one of these. Go dig your old one up. Okay? Everyone make sure you get one of these. Once you open it up, you'll see, like I said, there are prayers for different hours of the day. There's a morning. There's an afternoon, an evening, a nighttime prayer. Come up with a plan. And what I would encourage everybody to do is come up with a plan of two times a day. Two set times. And I encourage you sometime in the morning and sometime in the evening. Morning doesn't have to be as soon as you wake up. Evening doesn't have to be right before you sleep. In fact, right before you sleep is the worst time to pray. I don't know who taught us that that's the time to pray. That's the worst time. When you're about to jump into bed and then say, okay, let me stand up and pray. Like that's the worst time to do anything. That's the garbage time. Just sometime in the beginning of the day could be when you first get to work. If you're able to get to work and you have a private office, you can close that door. Whenever, like whatever, like, I, I don't care. And I don't care how long it is either. Even if you say it's two minutes, I don't care. But just have a set time in the morning, a set time in the evening. And then the overachievers in the room, add a third time. Like you want to be like, like brown noser, go for that third time. And set a time around lunchtime. Sneak out of your office for five minutes. You're going to go out for lunch for an hour anyway. Just leave at 11.55 instead of 12. And just go somewhere private, sit in your car, and just five minutes. It's all five minutes. And then once that five minutes up, just stop. Let's show God that we are going to hit the weight room, and we are going to be committed to becoming in his image and likeness because that's what we need, people. That's what we need more than anything else. We don't need to listen to more sermons. We don't need to read more uh, email, like, uh, like spiritual uh, blog. Like We don't need any of that stuff. We need time in his presence where he can transform us. I'll leave you all with this thought. I loved this nice saying okay, about how structured prayer works. Our goal in structured prayer, how we are transformed to the image of God, is our communion with the Father 
that by the power of the Spirit, you could become the Son. That's, that's your to-do in the morning. The goal of this time is that I will commune with my Father so that by the power of His Spirit, I could be transformed the image of His Son. Communion with the Father. Presence of the Father, so that by the power of the Spirit, you could become the image of His Son. When you meet in life groups this week, hopefully you all can encourage each other about this, and we can make this as something that like, we hold each other accountable to. Because if all we do is come here and listen to sermons and talk, and all, like, that's not the goal. The goal is, is that every day we are being transformed to the image of Christ. Let's stand up for a prayer together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you that no matter where we are or how far away we are from, from, from you and from that image inside of us, we thank you that you always give us a chance to get back there. And it's your greatest desire to restore your image inside each and every single one of us. Lord, help us to commit to the structured prayer. Help us to commit to like a disciplined life of prayer. Even though we're so undisciplined in so many things, Help us, Lord, during this series. I, I, I really believe that, that you will give us power to do the things which we've tried many times and failed. But, Lord, help us this time to be consistent, even in something very small. We want to be transformed into your image. We want to become like you. We want to become Christ on this earth. We want to fulfill our calling as your body, Lord. But we need you to help us so that we can get there. Lord, help each and every single person here to find the discipline that they need to be able to, to live a life of structured prayer. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all very much. Have a great week. Picked up and dusted off their swords. Vowed to set the captive.